0: Welcome to Bucky's Pagan Guided Adventure. Today we're going to be exploring divination and the different forms of psychic ability. Uh, Included in this, there's going to be a little bit of history in regards to certain things, and um, I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed making it for you. Please uh, sit back, have a nice glass of wine, and enjoy. So sometimes as we walk through our life path we find ourselves wondering if we're on the correct probabilistic path or if we are thinking in the correct way or if we need to get a little bit of help. And the way that historically all of society has done that is through divination. And that includes every religion, really. Um, So in this episode, I wanted to take some time and just kind of pull the wool over the eyes um, so we can see, not putting down over the eyes, and see if we can... um, Kind of explain the mystical nature of divination. Starting this all off, I think we really need to put forward a clear definition for the term divination because sometimes we can get lost in words if we don't know exactly what they mean. So divination, for the purposes of this episode, are are going to be reduced down to uh, seeking universal direction, and that universal direction will be linked with an extra spiritual experience. Or with a um, influence outside of our understanding, um, it's not like going to your next door neighbor and asking for advice. It's uh, more trying to understand what the great rift of energy is trying to direct us to do the the outside of space time uh, understanding of everything, and since that outside of space-time uh, understanding um, has presented itself in many different forms in many different cultures and many different societies. If you were to start a study of divination, you'd see that there are thousands of different ways that divination has occurred throughout history. And whenever that happens, there generally needs to be a little bit of organization uh, or we'll just get lost in the sea of methods. So there, there are three very specific classifications of divination. There's the direct form of divination, the indirect form of divination, and there's the facilitated form of divination. I'm going to go through each of those and I'm going to pull them apart and kind of give you some examples of what which is which and um, kind of explain it a little bit more in detail for, for you the reader. So let's begin the classifications with indirect divination. Now, indirect divination uh, is based off of natural signs that cannot be moved or changed. Um, And it also applies to ancient knowledge. This ancient knowledge um, is generally utilized for long scale and absolute divinatory projections. Um, So, a couple examples of this. To bring you further clarification, one would be numerology. With numerology, each letter is assigned a numerical value, and that numerical value is reduced down to a number or a pair of numbers or a sequence of numbers. And those sequences or pairs of numbers have a divinatory meaning. So let's say you reduced a name, a full birth name of an individual, down, and you got a number two. Well, with that number two, the individual, um, depending on what, uh, what you what what number you're seeking, um, will have uh, be focused on relationship or intuition or nurturing spirit, or uh, they can be quite emotional, and it's generally assigned to a female uh, energy. Now, if you get the number two by adding one plus one, if you have the, the number eleven, um, then you have a master intuit or a master teacher. Um, and so we see that these numbers will always retain this value, and so there is no way that we can actually change the value itself. Um, It is and always shall be what it is, right? Another example would be, well, before I carry on, I'm going to talk a little bit about the history of numerology just because. So numerology, because uh, we're talking ancient Knowledge and ancient truths has been assigned um, the history of coming from Babylon or Egypt. Um, some scholars believe it actually came from the Pythagorean um, philosopher, well, Pythagoras, the philosopher and mathematician. Um, but then that knowledge has kind of stood the test of time. And if you ever have the chance to do numerical or have a numerological reading, I'd highly encourage it. It uh, it'll revolutionize the way you, you see yourself and see your future. Another form of indirect divination would be horoscopes. When the ancient uh, ancient Greeks started looking up and assigning the gods certain constellations, they saw that there was specific actions that were occurring while these constellation moves move. When Mercury was in retrograde, communication seemed very fuzzy and and labored. Uh, conflicts started to arise, and so the that ancient truth became a divinatory practice and you can't change the pattern of the stars and you can predict the pattern of the stars with accuracy, with terrifying accuracy. And that makes your divination a little bit more overarching and based upon a solid foundation. And that's really the clear and concise definition for the uh, indirect divinatory category. So as we move on to the direct and the facilitated methods of divination there is a very big similarity between the two that is the major distinguishing factor between uh, direct and uh, indirect and uh, facilitated and indirect so with your direct and your facilitated forms of divination there is a Uh, subparticle process that's involved a three-step process if you will to uh, execute this form of divination and that three-step process is first of all invocation then divination and then devocation so invocation is when you call upon the energies that you wish to execute your divinary process um Divination is where you execute the divination itself. And devocation is where you uh, dismiss the energies that you're utilizing for the divinatory process. Um, It's all a matter of uh, facilitation of that process. Um, And so I'm going to repeat that three-step process with each the direct and facilitated methods um, of divination. Um, And uh, if you have any questions about either of these, please feel free to shoot me a message because this can get a little bit dicey and we can get lost in the weeds here. But I will try my hardest to ensure that I keep it on track and keep it organized for you. So that brings us to our second classification the facilitated divination process. So with this uh, classification facilitated, uh, we utilize a physical object to generate our divinatory meaning. Um, and this is done through a, that three-step process, uh, the invocation, the divination, and the devocation. There are two world examples that I'm going to use that are diametrically opposed from each other. Um, and it shows the versatility of divination, actually. Um, and the first one I'm going to give to you is called bibliomancy. And what bibliomancy is, is utilizing sacred texts or sacred words to generate a divinatory meaning. The example that I'm going to give you is your everyday average Christian church. So days before the services conducted, the the divinator, in this case is a priest or a minister, will sit down and carefully prepare his divination by reading texts, writing out a sermon and preparing a message. And then come Sunday morning, the divination is delivered first with the invocation, where there is a call to worship and they start to sing their worship songs and call on the presence of their almighty God. And they will then start praying and bringing their petitions to that almighty God. And then the moment of divination occurs when the sermon is delivered. Um, And that sermon, generally lasting about an hour long, will utilize specific key plugs from their book of faith to generate a message for the day, right? Um, Or what they would deem the daily bread. Once this message has been concluded, they do a doxology and a benediction and they close the church service out. And that concludes their divination for that week now the divinatory process that's diametrically opposed to that is what i practice which is tarot so days before the tarot process begins your tarot reader moi in this case will uh, study and research his cards and will meditate um, to channel his energies ground clean out his, his impurities as as it were will clean cleanse his cards and get uh, specific gemstones ready to channel energies Um, And when it is time for the divinatory process, he will sit at a table, generally at a trade fair, or put out his sign and look for people who require that divination. The invocation stage happens when the individual who requires the divination steps forward and starts talking to me, and I hand them the cards and have them shuffle. In having them shuffle the cards, their energy transfers into that deck, um, if my cards are a little muddy, um, I will shuffle the cards beforehand so that those two energies can combine. Um and then I'll hand them one of the channeling stones that are with the, the tarot deck so that I can have that energy channel from them to the cards to me to the universe, and the energy can then come back down with the divinatory message for that individual. Then the divination begins when the cards are cast out in front of the client or the person if they if they're not paying the subject, if it were. Um, And you start divining a message from the symbology and through the archetypical pathway of the tarot deck. And you then deliver that message from the universe to the um, to the readie, the person sitting across from you. And then once that tarot reading is concluded, you conclude by Asking them if they have any further clear if they need any further clarification on the divinatory process that was just executed. You swipe the cards clean, put them on the deck, you money may change hands, or the individual may thank you and go on their way. And your devocation comes in the form of shuffling the deck after and cleansing the cards from the energies of the person you just read in preparation for the next divinatory process. So You could uh, actually probably sit here for a very long period of time and go through a lot of the facilitated methods of divination. There's rune casting. um, There's uh, tea leaf reading. There are many different ways that you can have the facilitated divination process, but they all follow that three-step process of invocation, divination, devocation. Um, And uh, they're all extremely powerful for the specific, specificity of the individual and are very introspective for each individual. Last but not least is the direct method of divination, or what I would like to call the lightning rod approach to divination. Uh, this is generally where a message or an image is shot directly into the brain of the individual providing that divination. Um, So, with direct, you don't need anything to facilitate uh, the process, and it's not really using any form of ancient knowledge. The process of this direct divination does follow the invocation, divination, and devocation process as well. And again, I'm going to use a couple uh, real-world examples of that. So, one example of a divination um, from the direct method is psychic mediums. So, with a psychic medium, you have a group of people or an individual setting up a seance. They set up um, you know, their area to, to invite the spirit in, and then in comes your medium. And your medium doesn't have any major tools. They just come to the table and they sit there. And... In sitting there, the uh, medium then themselves, in the presence of the other people, conduct the invocation. They uh, psychically shoot out a lightning rod into the um into the universe, attracting the individual or the individual spirits that they wish to talk to and once the spirits are are uh, paying attention to this lightning rod of energy coming from the psychic medium, they come to this individual, and when they come to the individual, they start communicating. Um, So the invocation process then is done and the divination process begins. The medium in communication with the spirit on the other side, then gives the message directly from the spirit itself to the people present. The conversation then carries on until everything that needs to be said or expressed it has been expressed. And uh, then uh, the the spirit will either leave or the medium will will conclude that conversation. And in doing so, there is no intermediary of an object. The other example of direct divination comes in the form of shamanistic prophecy. So you have an individual or like a, either a medicine man or a um, tribal uh, prophet, or in some cases just an individual who's, who has that, that gift. Um, and with that gift, he's able to send out this message uh, to the people that he receives from the universe. And the invocation process with the shamanistic divination starts with the people who are around him um, repetitively generating a drum rhythm or doing chanting to put uh, the shaman into a transcendentic state or into a uh, trance. And when that happens, the shaman is able to open up their brain or their third eye to the universe, and a direct message will come in, and that direct message is then delivered right to the people for that moment. The devocation varies from culture to to group. If you have a uh, group of people who are utilizing a prophetic divination in a Wiccan circle, they'll end it by sitting in the circle that they have cast and eating uh, cake and drinking wine. If you are at a tribal one, they may end it by um, uh, ceasing the drum rhythm and, and going into a state of, of uh, rebound. And hell, if you just have a prophetic moment from an individual in a weird paganic group sitting at a bar, it may be the form of them sitting there talking and then all of a sudden, a prophetic message comes and hits one of them in the head. And he turns to him and says, I'm getting something for you. This is what I am getting. This is what the universe is telling me to tell you. And the invocation is them sitting together in a, com- a communal setting. The divination comes in the form of him talking. And the uh, devocation comes with the cheers of a glass and drinking the rest of that beer. Very diverse. Very different And those differences are not limited only to the environments, but also in the methodology. So in the uh, direct method of divination, there are many different classifications in which the message can directly come into the individual's mind. So just like the different types of divination, there's different types of reception for direct divination. I'll give you a couple examples. There's claircognizance, clairvoyance, and clairaudience. If you are so inclined, a quick Google search and you can find probably hundreds of other ones They can reach from everything from being able to taste something or smell something um, to any other form of direct message. But the three common ones are clairvoyance, clairaudience, and claircognizance. So in the direct, divination process, Claire, cognizance is when you just know. It's one of those things that are very hard to explain. I've actually had this happen before where there was a lady in front of me and I looked at her straight in the face and bang, all of a sudden, I knew she had an abortion that day and she needed to talk about it because she was going to implode if I did not. And that was a very uncomfortable direct form of divination but the universe knew that that message needed to be sent out that i know and that it's okay and that she can talk to me about it and so that immediately happens Um, and that comes when you're walking another example would be if you're walking down the road and all of a sudden bang you know you should not be proceeding forward and you find out if you proceeded forward you would have uh, been caught in a horrible situation that could have taken your life and that would be a clear cognizance. You just know. Another form of, uh, of this uh, classification of direct divination uh, reception would be called clairvoyance. So with clairvoyance is when you see clearly. Um, we've all seen the stereotypical trope on TV of the psychic closing their eyes and taking two fingers and holding it up to their temple and going, I see lots of travel. I see a beautiful woman in your future. Um, now, of course, that being a dramatization of what actually happens, they don't even need to close their eyes. Um, they, they sometimes actually it looks like they're peering through you. They're looking directly on the other side of you. Some people call it a thousand yard stare, um, but they can clearly see what's happening, what's unfolding in front of them. Uh, a lot of um, uh, organized religions um, currently popularized will have a prophet who will see that They'll, oh I, I see this I see this is happening I can see that the image that I am seeing is this and then they communicate that um, audience is a very fascinating one and I have yet to encounter this one but I know people who have audience is hearing so if all of a sudden a voice comes barreling into your ear and I've seen a lot of mediums get this where all of a sudden There's an audible noise and that audible noise is a clear sound frequency message from the other side telling them, you know, behold, this is what I need and thus spake that person and that person spake this. Well, that message that comes through is coming through in a clear audience way. Uh, and that one is, uh, What's gonna rest inside of your your head and come out of your mouth through the whole divinatory process, but as I was saying though, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of ways that you can actually pick up on these on these uh, direct images, and it's not just limited to taste, sight, sound, feel, um, and it's it can be on many, many 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 different spiritual planes. I won't get into those because that will probably. Seek to muddy the water and confuse you, and perhaps uh, I'll do a different podcast on the road to go into more depths and detail. Um, but that is direct prophecy in a nutshell. There is really no experience like being the the tool in a divination. Sometimes you get lightheaded, and sometimes you get dizzy, and it's it's quite the experience, and it's amazing. However. It would be very irresponsible of me to not end this podcast without a warning. Trust your intuition and keep them outside of your body. Wiccans, when they do their rituals and they do their divinations, will cast a circle. And the reason why is to keep things out and keep them in. Whatever comes into their circle, they invite into their circle. And nothing goes in or out of their bodies or their, their, their souls. An example I can give you uh, that happened to me is a life story. I was in a relationship with a absolutely wonderful person. And she had the very unfortunate situation of losing both of her parents uh, within a couple of years. And while I was in a relationship with her, I went through the process of helping her clean out and paint and repair her parents' home to be sold. Um, and she hated that. She loved it because of the family memories, but she disliked the spiritual activity at night. It was extremely close to a very malefic uh, graveyard, and you could feel the energy in the house. One time we spent the night there, and during the night, uh, it was like a spiritual crack house. There was so much energy and activity happening uh, that I couldn't even believe it. One spirit that night, came to me and said, I can give you my power. All you need to do is summon me in a physical sense, like do an actual summoning and let me into you. And if I come into you, you're gonna have all this power. Well, of course, my intuition told me absolutely emphatically not go away. So if you're going to decide to jump into this world and I'd encourage you to do so, make sure you do it in a safe way follow your intuition, don't let anything in, and have the ability to keep them out. I was spoiled in that relationship because my uh, lovely significant other had the ability to call on spiritual fire and burn out anything that was posing a spiritual risk to us, uh, especially to me um, in that setting, uh, usually at night. Um, And uh, I mean, I'd like to take this moment if she's listening to thank her very much because that actually helped a hell of a lot in my development. Um, but make sure you have an escape route and make sure you can keep them out and make sure you can make distance between you and the objects or spirits that you are divinating with. There's a scene in uh, Princess and the Frog, the the new version, where at the end of it, the bad guy who was a, a divinator, the spirits came and they destroyed him. That can happen in a spiritual sense if you do not protect yourself. So I can't stress enough, if you're going to go into the world of divination, protect yourself. If not, go see a divinator or hire a divinator. You do not want that problem. And thus concludes another fun and exciting episode of Bucky's Pagan Guided Adventure. Uh, If you would like a tarot reading done by me, speaking of divination, you can come and check me out on Facebook. Um, My page is at sign tarot with a capital T, by with a capital B, Bucky, uh, B-U-C-K-Y. Or once again, that's at tarot by Bucky, capital T, capital B, and Bucky is B-U-C-K-Y. The name of the page is Bucky's Tarot. Um, if you have any questions about what's going on with this podcast, please just shoot me a message on there as well. And I'll happily, uh, happily have a tongue wag with you. And if you're also a divinator and you want to co-host and be on the show with me, shoot me a message and I will happily have you on the show. Again, that's at tarot, T-A-R-O-T by B-Y capital B, uh, Bucky, B-U-C-K-Y, uh, on Facebook. Have a wonderful day.